WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yes, that's me. Five o'clock. It is Monday morning. Good morning. Monday, July 24th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today. High 85. Tonight, overnight, clear, low 72. And then Tuesday, partly cloudy. Chance of an afternoon thunderstorm. High 86. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 71 and clear in Ronkonkoma out on Long Island, 72 partly cloudy in Forkhead River down in New Jersey, and it is 72 and clear here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. What a beautiful weekend it was. I mean, that was like a fantastic weather weekend. The first one, by the way, in seven weeks where we did not have at least one day where it rained at some point during the day, which is kind of amazing. And um, I've been working a lot of weekends, so my wife told me, you know what? We're not waiting for you anymore. The kids and her are going to go and do stuff on the weekend, like, you know, get away, go to the beach for a couple days, whatever it is. And I was like, fine. So uh, on Saturday when I was working, I said, oh, I'm going to go home. And I think this is the first time I'm going to have the house to myself in years, maybe, where there's not a soul around. And I was kind of looking forward to it. So I finish here. I head home on Saturday, and they're still there. Everybody's still home. So I have this moment of like, oh, they're still here. Okay. So they left, and then I'm like, wow, this is it. I'm going to have this place to myself for 24 hours. So, you know, all of a sudden I'm a bachelor again, so I order, you know, really garbagey food from Grubhub. I have it delivered, turn on the tube. I watch that Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary on Netflix. Have you seen that? Man, is that good. It's a... a three-parter, and it tells his life story. And there's a lot of stuff I actually did not know. But um, I won't give anything away. I mean, a lot of it, you know his life story, but just as him doing the narration of his life story, which was interesting. But my takeaway, without giving anything away, is that he seems kind of like a desperately lonely guy now, which was kind of hard to watch for me anyway, after having such a life and then kind of screwing up some of his personal relationships He seems to be alone in these mansions that he owns all over the world, which is kind of intense and sad to see. But uh, so I do that. I order some food, get up, I go work out. I come home and I got I got to be honest, after about maybe seven or eight hours in, I was like, okay, everybody can come home now. I miss them. I didn't think I was going to feel that way. I thought, oh, at least 24 hours would go by. No, after like eight, 10 hours, I was like, hey, you can come home. And they finally did. Late on Sunday. All right, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. Now Staten Island is going to sue over congestion pricing. An inmate in Yonkers is on the loose this morning. Some early numbers no good for Jersey Shore businesses. A backhoe is in the backyard of Rex Yorman's Massapequa Park home. And Jamie Foxx is out of the hospital and back in front of the cameras. All right, let's get into it. At 5.03, we'll start with Staten Island. Many Staten Island 
Staten Islanders who commute here to the city into Manhattan take the ferry. But those who can't could end up paying a whole lot more to get into Manhattan below 60th Street when the congestion pricing plan kicks in. So yesterday, Staten Island Borough President Vito Fasella, like New Jersey officials, is pointing to these environmental studies on the plan, saying it'll hurt the wallets of Staten Islanders, hurt the environment as well. So now he's amount of getting ready to mount a lawsuit. To sit here and then say to the people of Staten Island that you're going to pay more and your air quality is going to be worse doesn't make any sense. And he says it shouldn't be on the backs of drivers on Staten Island to help raise this $15 billion or so that could be through that told congestion pricing below 60th Street. You'd have to be a first-class idiot to support any plan that intentionally hurts your neighbors and your constituents, both from a financial and environmental perspective. Yeah, so he says he's going to do anything he can to put the brakes on it all. Many of them have no choice because we don't have the mass transit infrastructure that the other boroughs have. Those were conscious decisions made over decades by the MTA to shortchange and keep Staten Island out of it. Last week, the Traffic Mobility Review Board began laying the foundation for the tolling system, this MTA board. The board will decide who pays what for congestion pricing, but there's no sense that New Jersey, Staten Islanders, Long Islanders, people coming in from the Hudson Valley will get any break whatsoever. So you had Governor Murphy who announced his own lawsuit or intention to sue on Friday. He was on face the nation yesterday reiterating that new jersey will sue too so you got new jersey now you got staten island my guess is you're going to hear from ed day in rockland county uh you'll hear from uh, uh westchester county you'll hear from the folks in suffolk and nassau county on long island this will worsen pollution in new jersey uh congestion pricing the mta in new york city has admitted it this is a financial fix more than it is an environmental fix. Yeah, so we still don't know what this is going to cost, but uh, drivers heading into Manhattan Central Business District below 6th Street would have to pay some sort of toll. Here's the numbers that have been thrown around, anywhere between 9 bucks and $23, which... Uh, after paying a $17 toll to cross the Hudson River crossings uh, is, you know, just crazy. So the MTA pushing back at this, by the way, yesterday, they sent us this statement. They say these lawsuits or potential of these lawsuits on the part of Staten Island and New Jersey are baseless. Uh, they say the 4,000 page environmental assessment performed by the MTA, the DOT, was supervised at every stage and specifically approved by the Biden administration. So they say there's no claims on the part of New Jersey and Staten Island that this will be environmentally unfriendly to them because cars will try to figure out ways. We're going to try to figure out every shortcut to get into the city without paying that toll. Staten Island says it's going to be hurt by this environmentally. Of course, people will be hurt because they'll have to pay this thing. New Jersey saying those towns right on the border there, Hoboken, Jersey City, Weehawken, up uh, Fort Lee by the George Washington Bridge will feel the impact in the same way. Either way, it's a mess and maybe what this do does is it put it off longer than the MTA would like it to. Again, MTA is already setting up the tolling plan and they want it to kick in come the spring of next year. Whether that'll happen or not remains to be seen. WABC News Time 509. Let's go down to Washington. A White House economic advisor claims Bidenomics is going in the right direction. It takes a while for people's sentiment to catch up to those new trends, especially given everything they've been through. White House Council of Economic Advisors Chair Jared Bernstein there going on the news shows this week and noting that wages 
are starting to outpace inflation, at least according to his numbers. Bernstein acknowledging, though, that the polls show that barely a third of Americans approve of President Biden's handling of the economy. Inflation has actually come down a lot faster than wage growth. Yeah, so he says he's hopeful that consumer confidence will start to rise again. I like where we are. I like the momentum we have. And Bidenomics is going to keep these trends going in the right direction. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Five ten. It has been an awfully hot summer. Not for us so much, though this week we're going to be in the 90s. But uh, most of the rest of the nation under this heat bubble that is just relentless. The mayor of Phoenix, of course, a city that's in the desert, says the hummer, summer heat there is uh, just nonstop. We know that it is going to get hotter and that we need to worry about long-term drought. So we plan ahead. The Phoenix mayor, Kate uh, Gallego, talking about... A number of innovations that are being used, such as uh, those mobile cooling sites we sometimes do here in the city. They're doing that for firefighters there when they're battling a blaze. Uh, she also knows that the city has an office of heat response, but um, it has been 110 degrees in Phoenix every single day in July. And we are at the 24th day of July. Can you imagine that? 110 every single day. We build for extreme temperatures in the summer so that we've made infrastructure investments that help us get out of these challenges. Yeah, I'd go out of my mind, 110 every day. I believe I was the first mayor to do so that just focuses on heat response so that when we have good ideas, people know where to go. Yeah, so of course, everybody pointing to the summer, or a lot of environmentalists anyway, saying this is just the beginning of what it's going to be, that we're it's payback for climate change. Washington Governor Jay Inslee says the world is entering what he calls the age of consequences when it comes to climate change. And he says that's what this heat bubble is all about. The fuse has been burning for decades and now the climate change bomb has gone off. Yeah, so he's using descriptions such as pounding on the door to emphasize climate change. Whatever we thought of climate change last year, we now understand that the beast is at the door. We knew this beast of climate change was coming for us. We're electrifying our transportation fleet. We're electrifying our homes. This is a solvable problem. But we need to stop using fossil fuels. Yeah. uh, By the way, it's going to be 110 degrees again in Phoenix today. Yikes. 512. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says Ukraine has retaken about half of all Russian occupied territory in the early days of Kiev's counteroffensive. Now they're in a very hard fight to take back more. And he says he expects the Ukrainians will eventually succeed given the training and support they've received from over 50 countries around the world. The equipment and support they've received now from more than 50 countries. The training uh, that their forces have gotten. The Ukrainians are fighting for their land, for their future, for their country. For their freedom. Yeah, and while we're overseas, the chair of the House Foreign Affairs Committee says the U.S. soldier who crossed the border into North Korea last week made a serious mistake. Yeah, well, no doubt. He was more running from his problems. That was the wrong place to go. Yeah. Texas Republican Congressman Mike McCall says he's worried that North Korea will try to exact a price for the release of Private Travis K. He's not being treated uh, very well. I think it was a serious mistake on his part and that. I hope we can get him back. Yeah, so what we know about this 23-year-old soldier is he was being sent back to the U.S. here for possible disciplinary action after spending time in South Korea in a jail for damaging a police car. So this guy was trouble anyway when he walked voluntarily over the border from South Korea into North Korea. We see this with uh, Russia, China, Iran, when they take an American, particularly a soldier, captive, 
they exact a price for that. Yeah, and by the way, we have not heard much about trafficking. I imagine there's lots of behind-the-scenes communications between North Korea and the U.S., but we don't have great diplomatic relations with them at this moment, so not sure where that 23-year-old soldier is today. 514, President Biden urging Israeli Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu not to rush his judicial overhaul plan, which caused riots in the street a couple months back. In a statement to Axios Sunday, Biden noted he's concerned about the law that would limit the power of Israel's Supreme Court and its potential implications. Tens of thousands of protesters, both for and against reform, have taken to the streets in Jerusalem and Tel Aviv for months. Netanyahu was recovering in a hospital Sunday after an emergency heart procedure, but said he plans to be at the Knesset for Monday's scheduled final vote. I'm Chris Karaji. I should correct myself. I shouldn't call them riots. They were protests because they were mostly peaceful. Former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi criticizing her success for uh, for playing politics for his comments about former President Trump's two impeachments. She was on the news shows this week. If he wants to put his members on the spot, oh, that's a decision he has to make. But this is not responsible. The California Democrat says she isn't sure if House Speaker Kevin McCarthy even has the constitutional authority to have them removed from the record, those impeachments. It's not even clear if he constitutionally can expunge those things. Kevin is, you know, playing politics. Yeah, uh, always interesting to hear what the former uh, House Speaker has to say about the current one. But imagine not so complimentary a democrat to a republican all right 515 let's head over to the 77 wabc sports desk uh, happy monday good morning justin Ellen. well uh, happy monday to you as well noam laden the yankees that's where we'll begin they woke up a bit it seems over the weekend with a clean sweep of the kansas city uh royals over uh, at the stadium capped uh, off with their eight to five win in the finale yesterday gliver torres Got things going with his two-run shot in a four-run first, but it was Anthony Rizzo who broke out of his slump in a big way with a four-for-four day at the dish, including his first home run in a whole 45 games. From Lyles to Rizzo, swung on, hit high in the air to right. Back to the wall, and it's gone! (laughs) Waters went back as far as he could go. Anthony Rizzo has not homered since May 20th. Over two months, now the homers there. You know this, nobody beats the Riz. Rizzo rakes in the right field seats, and the Yankees take a five nothing lead. That call courtesy of WFAN to boot Luis Severino or Luis Severino looked like his old self in a bounce back performance on the bump, allowing just three earned runs over eight hits and five and two thirds innings pitched. And uh, now over to the Mets, they had a much less fun weekend in Boston against the Red Sox, losing two of three, including the finale yesterday by a score of six to one. Pretty much. From the get-go, Carlos Carrasco was ineffective on the hill for New York with the big blows coming during a four-run third inning out of the Sox. That included seven straight hits off of Carrasco. The lone run for the Mets came on a Francisco Lindor RBI single in the sixth as they continue to look like sellers as the August 1st trade deadline looms. They'll get an off day today before meeting the aforementioned Yankees in the Bronx tomorrow night for the second leg of this season's Subway Series. Sticking with the MLB here, baseball's two newest Hall of Famers, Fred McGriff, and Scott Rowland joined the ranks of the Immortals yesterday during the inaugural ceremony on the grounds of the Clark Sports Center in Cooperstown, New York. McGriff's Hall plaque does not feature a team logo, but he was most notably a member of the 1995 World Series champion Atlanta Braves, while Rowland was inducted as a St. Louis Cardinal. And no, from the Lynx in England, 
American Brian Harmon wins his first major at the 151st Open Championship at Royal Liverpool Golf Club with a score of 13 under par. So, congratulations to Brian Harmon. Here with sports on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Allen. Justin, were you watching that? Uh, I was watching that Mets Red Sox game yeah. yesterday, and uh, I had to laugh because. There were lots of Mets fans there, no surprise. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And at some point, this chant broke out, Yankees suck. <laughs> and to see these Mets fans and Red Sox coming together, and it was so loud. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, they're right. They kind of do Well, suck. the Mets did, uh, did the Yankees dirty because the Sox won yesterday, kept them tied for uh, yeah. for last place there. in the, the race for last place in the AL East there between the Sox and Yanks. So. Yeah. There you go, Noam. WABC News Time 520. Let's go out to the White House campaign trail. We'll start with Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, who says he's now been contacted by special counsel Jack Smith. Smith and his team are investigating Donald Trump and his allies' efforts to overturn the 2020 election results. Just a few weeks after the election, the governor's office confirmed that Trump had tried to pressure Kemp to overturn Biden's victory in Georgia. On Friday, officials confirmed the special counsel had contacted Kemp's office but couldn't provide any other details. Kemp has kept from criticizing Trump directly but has questioned his electability and recently said Trump's focus on false claims about past elections will lose him votes. I'm Jim Forbes. On the news shows over the weekend, former Vice President Mike Pence telling uh, reporters and an anchor that he doesn't want his former boss, of course, Donald Trump, indicted over the January 6th riots. Pence says Americans have lost confidence in the Department of Justice, and he says an indictment would make that a whole lot worse. The president's words were reckless that day. I had no right to overturn uh, the election. The Department of Justice uh, has lost the confidence of the American people. And Pence says it's just time for voters to decide who the next president should be. These issues and the judgment about his conduct on January 6th will be left to the American people in the upcoming uh, primaries. And likely this will come as no surprise to you. Uh, Americans are lukewarm about the prospect of a 2024 matchup between Biden and former President Trump. This according to a new poll. Less than 50 percent of those surveyed by the Yahoo News YouGov poll said they favored either candidate. Biden had 47 percent support while Trump received 43 percent. More than 10 percent of the registered voters polled said they weren't sure or didn't plan to vote in the presidential election. I'm Mark Mayfield. Meanwhile, a Democratic governor, a Republican governor, coming together to launch a campaign about the correct way to disagree. Go ahead, put the issues on the table, talk about what works, what doesn't work, use data as your guide. Colorado Democrat Jared Paulus there, Utah Republican Spencer Cock coming together, say it's okay to disagree, but they say Americans need to just stop fighting each other. Things have just gotten vicious over the last 20 years or so. We should have conversations of disagreement at a better level, a higher level, a more effective level for the future of our country. Both governors say a large majority of Americans, both Democrats, Republicans, not excited about their party's front runner, of course, referring to Biden and Trump. Utah Governor Cox says it's okay to agree, but we just, you know, we can't get so vicious about there it. There is a, a, a growing majority of Americans that are tired of the the toxic disagreement, the divisiveness of tearing each other down. Polling shows that 60 percent of Republicans aren't crazy about their front runner and 70 percent of Democrats actually aren't crazy about their front runner. 
523, UPS and the Teamsters Union are going to return to the bargaining table today. That as UPS workers continue to threaten that they're going to walk off the job. And that could be pretty disastrous. Contract negotiations that will resume Tuesday are aimed at averting a strike by 340,000 UPS workers. Reporting says a strike could paralyze many supply chains and do tremendous harm to the U.S. economy. The Teamsters' five-year labor deal with the shipping giant expires on July 31st, one week from Monday. I'm Scott Carr. Let's go down to Florida. State health officials there confirming the seventh case of malaria since May has been discovered. You imagine it's freaking people out a bit. This is actually in the same area of concern that we've had the prior six uh, human cases. Mosquito Management Director Wade Brennan there says they'll go back to the affected area in North County to spray for larvae and mosquitoes. They're also handing out nets and repellent to homeless residents. Now, Brennan urging residents to avoid going out at night unless they wear long pants, long sleeves. Of course, awfully hot to be doing all that or some sort of bug spray that keeps those mosquitoes away. Just so you know, you can only get malaria from a mosquito that's infected with it. So you can't get it from anybody else. A mosquito has to sting someone who's infected, then bring it back to you and sting you. So uh, seven cases, but that's seven more than we had just a year ago. AMC Theaters now dropping a plan that charged moviegoers more for the best seats in the theater. The company announced Thursday that its sightline pricing program will come to an end in the coming weeks. AMC said most moviegoers were willing to pay extra for the best seats, but the company saw little to no change in people buying the cheaper seats at the front of the theater. AMC will now look to be testing a new seating concept that will replace the front rows with lounge-style seating. The concept will begin testing later this year. I'm Chris Caraccio. Trader Joe's issuing a nationwide recall of two of its cookie products uh, that may contain rocks. Yeah, you heard me right. One of the products is almond windmill cookies with a sell-by date between October 19th and October 21st of this year. The other is dark chocolate chunk almond cookies with a sell-by date between October 17th and October 21st. Trader Joe's says all potentially affected products have been pulled from the shelves and destroyed. Customers are encouraged to either toss them or return them to Trader Joe's for a full refund. Trader Joe's did not indicate how rocks got into the products. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm Dina Kodiak. Thank God it's not that bucket of uh, chocolate chip cookies they make, the ones that are really salty. Oh, those are good. That would be tragic if those were the ones containing rocks. All right. On, on the um, SAG-AFTRA actors, the WGA union still on the strike, uh, uh, on strike today. Uh, they were out in force over the weekend outside Rockefeller Center. There was a big rally in Times Square over the weekend with lots of people wearing those SAG-AFTRA shirts. The Hollywood studios, uh, not really saying a whole lot about this, but saying not much has been done to get people back to the table to try to hash out all that's wrong. Uh, the actors, of course, want more money from the streaming services. The writers want more for what they do every day. And so far, n- there's just a, apparently a lot more to be carved out here. The SAG after a walkout took effect July 13th, while the WGA strike has been ongoing for nearly four months. Both unions are striking against the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, and showbiz observers fear the labor stalemate could last several months as the two sides remain divided on key issues, including residual formulas for streaming content and protections against the use of artificial intelligence in film and TV production. 
I'm Dina Kodiak. Yeah, so what this will do to the fall season for the networks, of course, that's a huge deal. What it does for the streaming networks that are dying for new content, that's also a big deal. But they're still rolling out stuff. The timing for the streaming networks might not be as bad as it will be for the networks who have a fall season that they want to get underway. We are just getting started on this early Monday morning. So much more to get to as we work our way up to Sid and Friends at 6 o'clock this morning. You know, we've gone 29 minutes without mentioning Rex Hewerman's name. Well, in the next half hour, we'll give you the latest on that investigation into the alleged serial killer. There's some new data out today about that. Some early numbers, no good for a bunch of Jersey Shore businesses, right? It's rained almost every single weekend, not this past one, but uh, not good for the cash registers down there. An inmate in Yonkers got loose over the weekend, still on the loose this morning. We'll give you the latest on that. And actor Jamie Foxx, out of the hospital, was in the hospital for months on end. What happened to him, and why is he back in front of the cameras today? We'll get into that story and more, but first this at 529. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. Download all of Red Apple Media's podcasts right now through your favorite podcast platform. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Monday, July 24th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today, high 85. Tonight, overnight, clear, low 72. And then tomorrow, Tuesday, Partly cloudy, chance of an afternoon thunderstorm, high 86. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 71 clear in Ronkonkoma out on Long Island. 72 partly cloudy in Forked River down in New Jersey. And it is 72 and clear here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour out on Long Island. Rex Yorman's neighbors in Massapequa Park continue to speak out about the Gilgo Beach murders he's accused of. One neighbor says Rex's wife must have known something sinister was going on in that house. I'm just wondering how the wife had no idea about this. Like he had to have some behaviors that you just can't do something like this and, and be able to to keep everything a secret. But police say they do not think Yorman's wife knew about her husband's secret double life. Detectives now believe at least one of the murders he allegedly carried out took place in that Massapequa Park home. And more information about what police have missed, it continues to come out. So in the winter of 2010, shortly after police discovered the remains of one man's roommate and three other women buried on this remote stretch of Long Island shoreline, David Schaller provided detectives with a description of the person he believed was the killer of his friend. Uh, he said he was Frankenstein-like figure, which he is. He said he was tall, big. He also told him that he drove a first-generation Chevrolet Avalanche, Scheller recalled. And um, he says the man's size stuck out for him, as did the unusual pickup truck, which he used to flee the house. 
Uh, so Schaller, who shared a house with Amber Costello, one of the people killed, says um, he told police this. And uh, then they came back to him a decade later and he told them that again. And he says they could have had this guy behind bars a long time ago. He doesn't understand what went wrong in that decade. D.A. Ray Tierney, who's out in Suffolk County, uh, talking a little bit about what Schaller had to say. Specifically, um, you know, individuals between 6'4 and 6'6, you know, well over 200 pounds. Yeah, so he said there's not many people, of course, who are that big, that tall. Um, But... um, here he describes why he thinks those tips were not followed up on right after the murders. When they're getting that, that's that's lost within a sea of, of other tips and information they're getting. Um, and at the time, uh, you know, there wasn't really any, uh, you know, coherent leadership uh, at the top. Uh, so, uh, the you know, there's no there is no interaction between the FBI and the other agencies. Yeah. So this will, of course, be a big deal. If they can tie Rex Yorman to other people killed after those bodies were found, um, authorities began digging with a backhoe in the backyard of Yorman's Massapequa Park home late yesterday afternoon. A canine could be seen uh, on the grounds as well. Some sort of radar machine brought in as well. A chopper above. And neighbors who lived near this alleged serial killer say that, of course, they just want this to end the investigation process. But they realize that this home will become some sort of sick tourist attraction long after this case is forgotten about. It would quiet down the community, probably give the people a little peace of mind. It'll be like the Amityville Horror. People still go to Ocean Avenue. I had a friend that lived down there. People always used to go down there just to see the house. And this will be one of those houses, unfortunately. Yeah, unless they knock this thing down. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, it has become sort of a sick tourist attraction. 536, let's bring it back here into the city. Ten people injured after a minivan crashed into an MTA bus in the Bronx. This was last night, about 715 East 180th Street, Cretona Parkway. A black minivan slamming into the back of the bus hard. Everybody thought he was dead, but he wasn't. But thank God everybody was outside at the same time to get him out that car. If that car was on fire, he'd have been blown up or something. Yeah, the minivan did catch fire, and uh, people, there was lots of people outside because it was so beautiful out, and they ran to pull this guy out. They say he came down from right there from Fenway Dollar. That's like five blocks. And you hit in a car that hard, and see how the car was. All I saw was the car on smoke. Everybody's around a car. Yeah, people say they couldn't believe how fast this minivan was going when it slammed back into the bus. Minivan driver badly hurt. A few people on the bus treated for less serious injuries. Three people in a sedan that the bus bumped into as a result of this crash had minor injuries like neck pain. Police have not confirmed that the driver had any kind of medical episode, but they said no criminality is suspected. And everyone, thankfully, is expected to survive. WABC News Time 539. Let's keep it here in the city. A woman in a wheelchair killed after an SUV hit her as she was trying to cross the street in Brooklyn. This was about 1.30 yesterday afternoon, corner McDonald Avenue, Webster Avenue in Kensington. Investigators now trying to piece together the detail. Lots of eyewitnesses. We heard a crack at the side, like the woman fell to the side. We came out and we saw her 
under the car. Yeah, the wheelchair under the car. People racing to help this woman. The 68-year-old rushed to Maimonides Hospital, pronounced dead. The 73-year-old driver of the Lexus who hit her stayed at the scene. I'm not retired. I didn't even know if to start CPR because the police kept saying, do not touch her, do not touch her. Yes, so far that driver has not been charged with anything. Police searching for the gunman. In a deadly East Harlem shooting over the weekend, bullets ringing out. This is about midnight Saturday, 116th and Lexington Avenue. 55-year-old found shot in the leg in torso, taken to a nearby hospital where he died. Neighbors in the area describing what they saw. It's concerning and it's alarming the fact that, you know, I had to come downstairs to usher my grandchildren and their mom into their apartment to make sure that they got in safely. That's concerning. You know, this is a good community and it's it's got a lot of really good people who live in it. Cops not releasing many details, by the way, about this victim. The motive in the shooting still being investigated. Out to Long Island at 541, people on Long Island facing some troubled water. A study from a Stony Brook professor has found that the water quality on Long Island has hit a new low. The Long Island Marine Monitoring Network has been tracking water quality from around 30 spots across the island. Only six spots were ranked good, while 11 were ranked as poor and 12 were ranked as fair. Scientists blame old septic systems responsible for the poor water quality. Outside of the environmental impact, the water quality also affects the economy with the loss of base scallops, fisheries, and falling house prices in polluted areas. I'm Liz Radabali for WABC News. The MTA detailing over the weekend how it's using artificial intelligence to help monitor fare evasion in several subway stations and getting some interesting information back. It found that more than 50 percent of subway evaders consist of people walking in through the emergency gate. 20 percent just jump or climb over the turnstile. The uh, latest spike of evasions typically take place between three and four in the afternoon. Afternoon. The agency, by the way, estimating it lost $690 million to fare evasion last year. They're on track to lose more this year. All right, let's go out to New Jersey, 542. Six people injured in a two-story public housing building when it just suddenly collapsed. This was on Friday night. The whole downstairs just shook. The whole downstairs shook. It was just terrifying. I just thought of 9-11. The walls of the South Pine Lane building just blown off. Five taken to area hospital. One woman has uh, serious burns. He's a ma- a building exploded. Yeah. I ran out. I looked. I seen a guy climbing down from the rubble. And the owner of the store, Russell, went. He said there was people all on the ground. I actually know the man that was in there. His name is Mario, and I, I just hope he's going to be okay. So just one serious injury, at least 13 families now displaced, uh, the city finding housing for them over the weekend. Then I got a phone call from her and telling me that my apartment that I lived in just blew up. And I was like, I'm a, I, so I got dressed and come outside to go look, and it actually I just saw everything, the whole building was just in pieces. Still not clear this morning what exactly brought on that explosion that just completely destroyed this two-story building. 543. A man died while in custody at Rikers Island yesterday. 44-year-old Curtis Davis in custody of the DOC. This is since June 1st. Davis discovered in his cell, unresponsive, about 5 a.m. Sunday morning. Medical care apparently immediately given to him. However, at about 5.30, half hour later, he was pronounced dead. Medical examiner now going to try to determine Davis's cause of death. 
In 2022, 19 people died while in custody at Rikers Island. Davis, who died yesterday, is the fifth person to die in Rikers custody so far this year. 543, let's go up to Westchester County. A prisoner arrested for robbery able to escape Westchester County Department of Correction custody early Sunday morning at St. Joseph's Medical Center, uh, prompting a search that is still active this morning. Yonkers police say 24-year-old Geraldo Rojas Allen was arrested on Friday morning for robbery. They did an investigation. Uh, he was brought to court. Then he was brought to St. Joseph's Medical Center for a medical evaluation, arraigned on Saturday afternoon. But before they could bring him back to the county jail, he somehow got out of custody and is on the streets. And you can imagine neighbors not too excited about that. I saw on the news that the person was in St. Joseph's Hospital and they got out. Um, I hope they find them so people are safe. So the manhunt now a joint effort by Yonkers Police, Westchester Department of Correction, the Department of Public Safety, all looking for Rojas Allen. It's scary, you know. I mean, we want everybody and the kids to be safe out here. You don't know what somebody like that can do. So hopefully they catch him and, you know, put him away. So he has black hair and a tattoo on his right arm with the name Mary. So should be relatively easy to find. The county says it's reviewing to understand the circumstances that led to his escape. But the officers who were involved in this have now been suspended from duty, will face internal disciplinary charges for letting this guy get loose. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77WABC Sports Desk and Justin Ellick. Thank you, No Maladen. The Yanks, they woke up a bit over the weekend, it seems, with a clean sweep of the Kansas City Royals at the stadium. Capped off their 8-5 to win in the finale yesterday. Gleyber Torres got things going with his two-run shot. He actually left the game, so hoping he's okay in a four-run first. But it was Anthony Rizzo who broke out of his slump in a big way with a 4-4 day at the dish, including his first home run in a hole. 45 games. Last time he homered was May 20th. From Lyles to Rizzo. Swung on, hit high in the air to right. Back to the wall, and it's gone! (laughs) Waters went back as far as he could go. Anthony Rizzo has not homered since May 20th. Over two months. Now he homers there. You know this. Nobody beats the Riz. Rizzo rakes in the right field seats, and the Yankees take a 5 nothing lead. I call courtesy of WFAN. I guess nobody beats the Riz other than the uh, 45 um, games prior to <laughs> that one. All those pitchers. Yeah, and all the pitchers <laughs> in the 45 games prior. But, uh, no, Rizzo wins last night. Do you think anybody knows what he's talking about when he says when nobody beats? Remember, it was nobody beats the Wiz, of yeah, course. Yeah, no, but, I know. But, no, yeah. no. But, I, yes, okay. no, I don't think Wiz anybody is, knows what he's talking about. Wiz hasn't been open for, like, 100 years. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. I don't know where he comes up, but, you know, a lot of times it's way easier if he just thought less about it, you know? <laughs> right. But, anyway, Luis Severino, no, he was good on the bump as well for the Yanks. He looked like his old self in a bounce-back performance. And uh, we're moving on to the Mets here. They had a much less uh, fun weekend in Boston against the Red Sox, losing 2-3, of three, including the finale yesterday by sc- or a score of 6-1. to one. Pretty much from the get-go, Carlos Carrasco was ineffective on the hill for New York, with the big blows coming during a four-run third inning out of the Sox that included seven straight hits off of Carrasco. The lone run for the Mets came on a Francisco Lindor RBI single in the sixth as they continue to look like sellers as the August 1st trade deadline looms. They'll get an off day today before meeting uh, the aforementioned Yankees 
in the Bronx tomorrow night for the second leg of the season's Subway Series. So we got that to look forward to. Sticking with the MLB here, baseball's two newest Hall of Famers, Fred McGriff and Scott Rowland, joined the ranks of the Immortals yesterday during the inaugural ceremony on the grounds of the Clark Sports Center in Cooperstown, New York. McGriff's Hall plaque does not feature a team logo, but he was most notably a member of the 95 World Series champion Atlanta Braves, while Rowland was inducted as a St. Louis Cardinal. And from the links out in England, American Brian Harmon wins his first major at the 151st Open Championship at Royal Liverpool Golf Club with a score of 13 under. Here are sports on 77 WABC. No, I'm Justin Ellick. All right, let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. One of them, Staten Island Borough President Vito Fasello sticking up for Staten Islanders who could eventually have to pay those congestion pricing tolls when they do kick in, if they do kick in, next spring. So yesterday he said he's going to announce a lawsuit to try to stop that from happening. To sit here and then say to the people of Staten Island that you're going to pay more and your air quality is going to be worse doesn't make any sense. You know, they actually have it worse than even New Jersey, right? Because you have to pay the toll to get over the Verrazano. Then you have to go through another tunnel. That's another amount of money. So, And then you'd have to pay the toll after that. It seems a little outrageous. But the MTA says they need the money to pay for infrastructure uh, on the subways, on the trains. You'd have to be a first-class idiot to support any plan that intentionally hurts your neighbors and your constituents, both from a financial and environmental perspective. So like New Jersey, he says he's getting ready and to sue to put the brakes on congestion pricing entirely. Many of them have no choice because we don't have the mass transit infrastructure that the other boroughs have. Those were conscious decisions made over decades by the MTA to shortchange and keep Staten Island out of it. We've been talking about congestion pricing for a number of years, but it got a whole lot more real on Friday. We saw them putting up those transponders, which will collect the tolls for people who go low below 60th Street. The board who's making the decisions on this, the MTA, uh, will decide who pays what, who will get uh, exempt from these payments. But it won't be people coming from Staten Island, from New Jersey, from Long Island, from the Hudson Valley. Governor Murphy, who who was the first to announce he's going to sue. He did so on Friday, was on Face the Nation over the weekend. This will worsen pollution in New Jersey. Uh, Congestion pricing, the MTA in New York City has admitted it. This is a financial fix more than it is an environmental fix. Yeah, so the number of being thrown around drivers heading into Manhattan Central Business District below 60th Street would have to pay a toll anywhere between 9 and $23 a day, which is just a lot of money. Other big story is this heat bubble. Not here. It's going to get hot here this week, but we haven't had that heat like most of the rest of the country. The mayor of a city known for its desert summer heat calling this summer just ridiculous. That's in Phoenix. We know that it is going to get hotter and that we need to worry about long-term drought, so we plan ahead. Yeah, so in Phoenix, that's a mayor, by the way, uh, Kate uh, Gallago, talking about some innovations they're using to keep people cool. One is, you know, when firefighters battling a blaze, it can be awfully hot, obviously, anyway. But they have not been below 110 degrees in Phoenix since June, right? So every day in July, it has reached at least 110 degrees. We build for extreme temperatures in the summer so that we've made infrastructure investments that help us get out of these challenges. Yeah, but uh, nobody prepares for 26 straight days of 110 degrees. By the way, it's going to be 110 degrees there today, so make that 27 days or 25 days actually in a row. Con Ed announcing a new rate plan at the end of a uh, rate plan at the end of last week 
that will raise electric bills for New Yorkers by 9%. That's starting just next month. It's just crazy. My air conditioning bill is probably going to go. I'm going to have to move out. Well, the average customer will have to pay about 14 bucks more a month. Seeing in the retirees and the elderly, I feel for them, the ones that's on fixed incomes. For a two-family house, gas and electric, and I kid you not, was $932. Yeah, that's crazy. Another, uh, there'll be another rate hike, by the way, 4.2% coming in January and then two more during 2024. So uh, that bill's just going to get higher and higher. Uh, 553. A patient who attacked an EMT in the back of an ambulance with a knife last week. Remember we told you about this story? Now he's saying he did so because he thought he was being kidnapped at that moment. He wasn't. The female EMT who was stabbed a number of times with a kitchen knife is slowly recovering. Her injury is pretty bad. There have been 121 attacks on EMTs just this year. Down to the Jersey Shore. Finally. A perfect weather weekend to spend on the Jersey Shore. Good news for businesses who are hoping to cash in. After a lot of unsettled weather so far this summer, it broke a streak this weekend did of seven consecutive weekends of at least one rainy day. Several days of smoke from the Canadian wildfires. They also had an impact down the Jersey Shore. For that matter, all the other Jersey uh, Shore towns across the tri-state. Um, beach staff in Belmars giving a little bit of good news. They had said that sales were down 26% overall from last year. But they say this past weekend was the biggest week weekend they've ever had so maybe things will bounce back there's still a little bit of time a number of weekends before uh labor day senate majority leader chuck schumer he was in manhattan over the weekend announcing a resolution in remembrance of tony bennett in central park schumer calling for bennett's birthday on august 3rd to be known as tony bennett day whether you met tony you listened to tony whether you're young whether you're old whether you're in between Everyone knew Tony Bennett and everyone loved Tony. The announcement made near the Tony Bennett bench in Central Park. Uh, of course, he passed away on Friday. His- uh, these were some of the people who were his neighbors who said... They- Hold on a second. What's that? This is what this idiot Chuck Schumer is worried about? Yeah, well, you know, it's the Sunday press conference. Uh, he's good at these. He knows how to get... He knows that summer Sundays are slow for news on Monday. And people like me... We need content, so he gives us a story like this. But you do understand that even it's during the fall, he has the same nonsense. He He says nothing. Well, it is going to be Tony Bennett Day on August 3rd. That's quite exciting. Well, listen, I've got some bad news about Tony Bennett. What's what's wrong? And I love Tony Bennett. Took my dad to see him for his 75th birthday at Radio City. Love all his music. We played a bunch on Friday. All those crooners, Bennett, Sinatra, I love them all. But Tony did say something once. On a radio show of a guy that you know. Who's that? Yours? You? <laughs> not me. Uh-huh. A guy that I've kind of modeled myself after. Not Imus. And that I love dearly, despite the audience hating his guts. He said something once that may bring the people who say they love Tony Bennett this morning to a different place. Really? That's coming up what on could, Sid and Friends. What could that be? That is an awfully good tease there, uh, Sidney Rosenberg. Well, here's some of some of Tony Bennett's neighbors who say that he should get the honor August 3rd, though they may change their mind after listening to Sydney. We're playing his music in my lobby today, just, you know, out of respect and love for his music. And, you know, so, yeah, we, we think it's a great tribute to a great man. We love him. He's a great neighbor, always smiling, says hello. So, yeah, we miss him. He's, we're going to miss him. He's a great guy. 
we spent a bunch of time in the park and uh, from time to time we used to see Tony and his uh, and his wife. Yeah, I feel like everybody knows had some instance where they've run into him. He was out and about for sure before he came down with Alzheimer's. Of course, Bennett served in World War II. Then he came back and the rest is history, became a star. He cared deeply about other people when it was highly unpopular for singers and entertainers to march in the civil rights movement. He went there and he marched with Harry Belafonte and Martin Luther King in Selma. Come August 3rd, it'll be Tony Bennett Day.